Good day and welcome to the Frontline Cheddar Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Case Baggerman. How you doing today, Case? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, Jarian. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Um, we're kind of uh, changing things up here a little bit at Frontline Chatter, so you're going to hear some more of our um, our guest co-host um, more regularly now. So starting with this one, um, Case has come on, and funny story about me and Case today, we're actually in the same location <laughs> recording. I'm upstairs in my house, and he's in the basement of my house, so we're actually both in Kansas City. Um, but um, let's go ahead and introduce our, our guest coming on, Case. Yeah, so from an event organizer in Spain to Citrix Director and Sensor for PM um, and Partner Engineering, um, today we've got David Cottingham. So we really want to know who is David and where is your career taking you, David? Well, thanks, Case, and uh, thanks, Jerry. And I guess the first thing to say is I'm not in the uh, the basement or indeed anywhere. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm over in Cambridge in the UK, and uh, I've been been with Citrix now for oh eight years I think coming up to eight years in May so in case you're right you know I, I did I grew up in in sunny Spain and then uh, then made the mistake of migrating outwards to uh, to you know rainy UK um, part of that was actually to, to get to university here and uh, having spent oh seven years at university I got to you know Decided I had to come out at some point and uh, ended up coming to to Citrix to join the Zen Server team. Um, but it's been it's been great fun since then doing all sorts of things from, uh, as Case was saying, you know, running a, a small engineering team focused on partners, and then uh, taking on the the product management team a couple of years ago. Yeah, that sounds like a, quite an, an an endeavor, and um, you know, um, it sounds like you're a um, and this, I, I say this with all the respect, a jack of all trades. How do you, how do you combine all all those roles and all those um, different hats that you have to wear? You know, it's funny. People ask me sometimes, "What what do you do?" And my initial reaction is always, "I I herd cats," and uh, you know, it's fun doing lots of variable stuff because you never quite know what you're going to expect each day, right? And I think the, the ability to do different things, part of it comes from having a technical background, um, you know, doing computer science at university and so on. But then having the opportunity here to get involved at Citrix when it had just acquired ZenSource, uh, you know, it was coming from a startup into a mature company and uh, you know, everybody has to pitch in, right? Everybody has to do what needs to be done. Um, there's not necessarily uh, someone whose job it is to to do whatever it is that that happens to be needed to be done this day. And uh, you know, that, that that's how it kicked off. That's how it's remained, really. The obviously the team has expanded a lot since then, um, but people retain that willingness to, if you like, muck in when when needed to get the job done. I guess that's a sign of a, of a good company to be in, uh, having people to uh, to jump in whenever needed. Uh, that being said, Sense Server 7.1, it's it's finally live. Like, how's that for you? Another major release out of the way? Yeah, it it is, and obviously, uh, when you're doing major releases, uh, they have a long gestation period. You know, they they take a long time to to be born, and uh, we. We treat them very carefully, and we uh, have sometimes have 
long days or long nights in, in getting them done. Um, so obviously it's great to, to have it out now. And it's also great to be honest because we can talk about it. You've got to bear in mind that uh, when you're in a, a public company, it's harder to talk about you know, what's coming. Uh, and so finally being able to talk about all the good stuff that's in 7.1 is, uh, you know, is, is a relief in some ways. Uh, obviously lots of, of new features uh, that, that we've put into that release and uh, you know, maybe talk about those in a minute. But for me, the, the really important parts uh, of getting a 7.1 release out, part of it I think is a 10 year support lifetime again that we can finally talk about and it shows how committed uh, Citrix is to the product, how important it is. And, you know, another one is just being able to say we have all these features in Zen Server that make it different and exciting compared to, to other hypervisors people can, can choose from, right? Uh, clearly, there are lots of things you, you might go and choose uh, vSphere or Hyper-V for, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, what we like to do is uh, put in features which you can't get anywhere else, uh, particularly when it comes to being run under uh, Zen Desktop and Zen App in Citrix workloads. So I'd summarize it in terms of it, it being partly relief, partly very exciting because you know we, we can talk about this stuff and we can put it in customers' hands and, and watch people get excited about it as much as we've been excited ourselves over the past you know nine months. Uh, and of course, partly there's there's that uh, that piece of me that says, well, is somebody going to find an issue? You know, and you constantly live in that world of. Uh, excitement but also slight uh, slight paranoia that somebody might find a bug that you've missed uh, so so far so good um, nothing nothing nasty has been found and uh, lots of excited people so we're very happy at the moment yeah I, I think the um, you know first of all congrats on, on the 71 release and then you mentioned a, a very key point there is that the the 10 year support um, so the long-term service release is a big one. Um, especially, you know, with some of the confusion in the past about Zen Server, that shows that long-term commitment from Citrix for it. So I think having that 10-year release cycle, the long-term service release, is a huge thing for Zen Server. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have, uh, I guess, maybe two years ago, people were, I think, worried about, well, what, what is Citrix doing with Zen Server? And we've... We've taken a lot of steps the past two years to really make it a lot clearer that it is a very important product for us. And to me, the, the kind of icing on the cake is saying, you know, if you had any doubt at all, uh, here's Citrix coming out and saying, look, Zen Server is going to be around for 10 years for the 7.1 release. Obviously, we're going to keep doing more and more releases. So, you know, make no mistake in terms of uh, it, it's important to us. Uh, I think it's also important because you've got Zen Desktop and Zen App now have a, a long-term supported release, and we're very keen to make sure we have a full Citrix stack that people can rely upon, uh, and that involves Zen Server at the Hypervisor layer. And being able to say to people, there is one set of end of maintenance and end of life dates for the entire stack uh, is, is a big deal for some customers. So in, inside this release, you know, with 7.1, you know, we have some security things, we have the LTSR, um, some graphics enhancements, um, you know, and other things too. So what are your, your favorite features and enhancements in this version and why? <laughs> PVS caching, uh, PVS caching, has to be. Uh, there's, there's lots of stuff. I mean, I think it, it really depends on the, on the customer you're talking about, right? Because um, 
you know, LTSR, as we've talked about already, huge amount of work for us. I think customers perhaps will see that as, yeah, great, that confirms we have confidence in the product, but won't necessarily realize how much of an effort it was uh, for us to do various platform component upgrades to make sure that, you know, those those can last for 10 years. Um, you know, it's, it's not the case that many bits of software um, are guaranteed by other people to, to last that long. So that was a huge effort. So we're, we're very proud of that. Um, from a customer perspective, you know, uh, we've we've made a lot of noise about our, our work with Nutanix, um, and, uh, and and rightly so, right? You know, Nutanix is, is a hot vendor in the HCI space. Um, we do work with uh, with a lot of other HCI vendors too, but uh, a lot of people very keen to to see us do the integration there. Uh, in part because of some of the things we do on Zen Server that that other hypervisors don't. So uh, you can now do on Nutanix with Zen Server, you can do NVIDIA Grid vGPU, which is uh, you know great example of how people have, have been drawn to Zen Server um, for the, the leadership in the graphics space. And indeed, we've seen already on the the tech preview we conducted with Nutanix um, customers who really wanted the Zen Server support precisely for that reason. So uh, you know, great story there. Uh, if you are a, a Zendesk as an app customer, probably about 80% of those use provisioning services or PVS. And being able to say to them, you can take your existing PVS workflows, and if you're running Zen server, we can suddenly mean that your desktops boot faster, your network is less congested, your PVS server is less loaded, and it all just works. Um, that's a great story to have. Um, so really, really pleased to see that feature again finally come out the door and and be able to show it to customers who are measuring it and saying yes, we actually do believe you because we see the same benefits that that you've been touting. So that's great. Um, live patching, if you're a particularly cloud customer actually, but anybody who finds it difficult to move their workloads around, being able to not or having the ability to deploy hotfixes without needing to reboot, you know, is, is gold. Uh, and we saw that with uh, a tier one cloud provider was so keen to take this, they actually asked us to uh, port it back to uh, an earlier version of Zen Server just for them. So they were actually running that in production um, for all of the latter half of uh, 2016. So again, that that's nice in terms of us being able to talk about it to customers, but also I think a validation for customers who who aren't necessarily sure about live patching. You know, is, is it dangerous? Well, the answer is, you know, a major cloud provider has already been using this for, for six months is a great story to have. And the final one I think that's, I think is uh, very welcome for customers who've been with us a while is the, the auto updates feature. Because now you can get Zen Center, click one button and all the updates will be pulled down from the web for you and installed for you. Uh, rather than having to do everything separately one by one. Um, I know that people, certainly on Zen Server 7.0, were, were getting update fatigue, if you like. So uh, we now have that auto-updates feature, not just for 7.1, but also for 7.0. And I've already seen a lot of uh, very relieved people there. So uh, something for everyone. I think the the crucial part here, David, is, uh, is one sentence I heard you say is, it just works. And that's something that, you know, if you add a new feature that it just works, it's a simple sentence. It's just a few words, but it's so crucial to, to the feature. And um, Andrew Wood, 
he wrote an excellent article about the PVS caching bit. Uh, bit. Uh, I actually used uh, the Centerver updating mechanism myself. Like you said, it just works, and that's that's where where you hit the spot. That's where you need to be, and yeah, especially if you um, you know bring in new features, that's the first thing people will try to use. And if 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 that works out of the box without any issues, you're off to a good start. Absolutely, and uh, that links back, I think, to the point I made earlier, which is living with that sense of excitement, but also very slight sense of paranoia, just uh, waiting for the first. First customer to say it didn't work for me, but uh, no, so far so good. I said we're we're very pleased with it, uh, with what we got to. Yeah, and um, again, you know, this release again, congratulations on it. Um, that patching thing is huge. Um, the Nutanix support is huge as as well, um, because I know when early on days um, with Nutanix, a lot of customers were asking for that. So it's good to see that partnership um, with Nutanix as well, and then the. The PVS caching is another one that's, you know, specific to, to Zen Server where you guys are helping reduce the, the network traffic between Zen Server and, and PVS um, and, you know, be able to help with that, those caching of those reads. So it, it's good to see those enhancements there. And, you know, even going ahead and um, Keith is going to ask you about the graphics piece, but that's another one that I'm looking forward to is Zen Server. I think one, one interesting point on the PVS cache one or PVS accelerator as we're calling it, uh, I saw a tweet the other day from someone who said, uh, yeah, great feature. When's it coming to uh, other hypervisors? And uh, somebody, not me, uh, replied and said, well, it's a hypervisor-only feature, so it's only on Zen Server today. And that is exactly what we're trying to do. We are you know, we're adding more and more capabilities to Zen Server that gives Zen Desktop Zen App an unfair advantage. And you expect to see us continue to do that with a whole load of ideas uh, in the pipeline. and. A lot of those are going to be ones which you know, you, you're going to need to do hypervised modifications to uh, to do. Yeah, I think it's an ex excellent strategy. If you want to be full stack support uh, and you've got your flagships and desktop and Zen app running on on a hypervisor, there, uh, I think that's an excellent strategy to uh, to add in features that are specifically targeted for that, um, and and our hypervisor uh, hypervisor um, um, features by itself. I think that's a great strategy. Yep, and I, I second that too because you know all of them have their specific RAM caching feature because Zenser has a RAM caching feature, but you guys are taking it a step further by having that only full integration with PBS, so it's a great strategy. Yeah, well, we we hope so. I mean, the the interesting thing about the RAM caching we have for MCS today is, um, yeah, it's it's relatively simple conceptually. The PBS uh, accelerator is actually more complicated because it actually understands the PBS protocol as well. So it's it's not, if you like, dumb block caching. It is actually doing uh, something deeper. So again, it's it's just an example of because we have everything in house, we both understand um, you know how to cache stuff, but we understand the PBS protocol as well. So plenty uh, of good good stuff there. <laughs> All right. So m moving on to one of the features I've seen uh, um, in the field for specifically for uh, for sensor is, is obviously the vGPU stuff. Um, Nvidia released their uh, their new line of cards a while back. Um, a lot of my customer engagements are around GPU and and how they can use GPU in their uh, in their implementations. Are you seeing the same uh, drive towards graphics in general? And I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on the positions of Intel and AMD in this space. Yeah, sure. I think with the 
move to Windows 10. I mean, people will tell you different things about how much Windows 10 is out there, but clearly there is a drive towards more graphical operating systems in general. And, you know, we, we've seen that since, I don't know, Windows XP, right? People have been getting steadily more graphical. And I would say we, we do see an increased number of desktop deployments and, you know, Zen app deployments asking for graphics. Um, what I think is interesting is people traditionally think of these as, oh, I'm I'm doing CAD or you know really complex 3D stuff, and and there are those right, no doubt. Um, if you've seen the the sponsorship that Citrix has recently done with Red Bull Racing, uh, those guys use Zen Server and they do it for all the kind of you know fluid dynamics type of stuff and uh, yeah some quite nice demos. Um, but the point is they're using it for for high end 3D, right? But if you try out a little experiment where you take PowerPoint uh, on your laptop or whatever and, and you tell it to not use the local GPU, um, so it's burning CPU, and you just run a standard PowerPoint presentation, nothing fancy, you compare that to when you tell it to, to use the GPU, you'll find the CPU load when it's not using a GPU is substantially higher. And that's just PowerPoint, browsers, even Excel, Word, use a GPU if they can get it. So as we see more and more VDI um, using new and newer versions of Office or browsers, we're going to see more demand for GPU. And I strongly expect that to continue uh, to well, continue to see rather the transition, if you like, from just pure 3D high-end workloads to more general Office stuff. So yes, we do see a drive to, towards graphical workloads in general. And uh, I'm sure if you ask people like NVIDIA, uh, they they would tell you the same story. I mean, in in terms of you know where it's going with say Intel AMD. I mean, Intel have very interesting proposition because, uh, as you know, they have their Iris Pro GPUs integrated into the the CPU, and so you buy a server with a a Xeon E5, a Xeon E3 rather, and that comes with an integrated GPU that you can you can virtualize. And today, ZenServer is the only platform you can virtualize that GPU on, which is great. Um, so we're kind of repeating our, our our leadership position there with what we did in 2013 with being the first to do NVIDIA Grid. Uh, we're doing the same with Intel. Those CPUs, uh, because they're single socket, uh, they're more suited to you know microservice. I think HP Moonshot, for example. Clearly, those have a very different price point from NVIDIA, right? and uh, different density in terms of how many users you can fit on a, on a microserver, but of course, how many microservers you can fit into a, a standard rack. So uh, a different use case, but I do see enterprise customers uh, using Moonshot and, and talking about using Moonshot with graphics. So definitely a, a real use case there. AMD, you know, more clearly competing um, head on with NVIDIA and, uh, you know, they're, they're offering those PCI cards uh, that support quite a number of users. You know, there is the the debate about NVIDIA licensing, and I, I'm sure uh, many people will be familiar with, uh, you know, the, the pricing on there and, and people's view on, on that differs, but NVIDIA and AMD's pricing is very different in terms of um, AMD are, are not charging for, for software that goes on top. Um, as you'd expect, you know, we're, we're working closely with AMD um, so you know, wait and see what happens there. But uh, we, we do want to do more with graphics vendors in general. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I would agree with everything you're saying with, you know, with graphics becoming a major part and the offloading from CPU and using everything, everyday things like the browser and Office Suite and so forth are going to rely on the GPU. Um, one thing I'm looking forward to is seeing what else Intel does to this space. You know, do they expand to to E5 processors outside of the E3? Um, so it'd be good to watch. And then, you know, what the AMD has done recently with, with their newer cards, um, I'm looking forward to see what Citrix um, does with that. And, you know, like, like you said, with the licensing thing, AMD and Intel, it's just basically you have the licensing. There's no extra software licensing. You have the hardware, you're able to use it. So it's it's a one space that we're constantly keeping an eye on because it's something that is just going to become more and more relied on as things go forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's what's interesting with with um, NVIDIA's new lineup of cards, their M10 gives you that ability to get above the, the magic 100 users uh, per host with a vGPU. And, you know, for some for some use cases, that's exactly what you need. You need that that really high scale. Um, you know, when it comes to things like Intel, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Intel are, are going to be working on on scale. Um, we'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, AMD, I think it's very early yet to, to, to see what's happening. Um, so I'm, I'm going to wait and see before I pass judgment. So moving on from, from graphics um, to security. So, you know, Citrix is kind of getting it, becoming that security or taking the position on being a security company. And you see that with Netscaler, what the features that Netscaler has, some of the stuff in Zen Mobile. Um, there is a, a newer feature in Zen Server. Um, so how are you seeing Zen Server in that positioning? And can we look forward to even more security um, features and fo focus in the future? You know, maybe like something like micro segmentation, maybe possibly, or anything like that? So taking the, the last question first, absolutely, we, we'll be doing much more in the security space. And that there is stuff happening right now on that. Uh, I'm kind of looking around the office from the meeting room. I mean, it's it's got the glass walls. I'm sort of uh, picking out particular people thinking, yeah, they're working on security, they're working on security. So plenty more to come. Um, in terms of what we've been doing recently, we, back in Zen Server 7.0, uh, we introduced the ability to do what's called hypervisor introspection. And basically, uh, that allows a suitably privileged virtual machine to look at the memory of other virtual machines. And the reason that's helpful is because then you can watch for things like buffer overruns or heap sprays and, you know, malware techniques rather than particular strains of malware. Now that's helpful because then uh, you don't have to have a, a security agent inside the, the virtual machine you're protecting. Um, which of course means that there's no security or anti-malware agent for the malware to attack. Uh, that means it's, it's obviously A, more secure because uh, you can't be compromised from the inside, so that's good. And B, because we're looking for attack techniques rather than individual uh, pieces of malware, we can help guard against zero-day attacks. And obviously in today's uh, you know, hypersensitive to to security environment where zero days are you know, becoming the norm. To be honest, having that ability uh, is is pretty useful. Um, now, since then, obviously, you know, we've we've had Zen Server 7.1. Uh, we're making much more of a big deal about this, and uh, you know, if anyone saw the uh, 
material we, we put out at Summit, Citrix Summit, back in January, you, you were seeing this, was uh, was a big deal. Um, the reason is, you know, bluntly, that desktops, uh, I guess, are, are endpoints, and desktops are where you're going to have users clicking on uh, emails with, uh, you know, bad links in or going to suspicious websites, whatever it is. Uh, and being able to protect those against infection or zero days by malware is is hugely important. And therefore, being able to say to people, we can give you on Zen server that ability to protect against zero days because we have this partnership with, with Bitdefender who are using our introspection APIs is a very powerful story. So you talked about Netscape and Zen Mobile. And I think uh, you know if you look at things like Citrix Secure Browser, for example, that's another area where we can get involved and say, well, with Zen Server underneath, you get this added protection. And so what we've ended up seeing is now that we've been talking about it much more, and you know it's been around for a while, we ha now have uh, a lot of customers, particularly in Asia, actually coming to us saying, we really need a solution like this. You know, can you help? Um, which is you know, it's obviously great for us, um, but it's it's a great validation that we have a technology that no one else um, has has on offer. To be blunt, David, you mentioned uh, Bitdefender, and obviously they're 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 hooking up to your API set. Um, are they um, uh, are there any plans to extend that partnership with uh, with other parties other than Bitdefender? Yeah, we're we're very willing to do that. Um, it is a, a public API. Right, so we're we're certainly not constraining ourselves to Bitdefender. Uh, Bitdefender were the first partner that, that we've done this with, and we work very very closely with them to you know to implement it. Right, so uh, they were uh, instrumental in, in helping us make that happen. Uh, I would love to work with other security vendors on this, and to some extent, it's about you know resources and, and bandwidth, if you like. Uh, also, it's about getting this bedded down to the market and, and getting people used to it. Because it, it is all very new, um, so you know, ask me in a year's time, and the position might be totally different. We might have you know three more vendors. Uh, I, we'll, we'll wait and see. So one thing I've you know I kind of mentioned micro segmentation a little bit at the beginning of this, and I don't know if something that you guys have on your radar or not. Um, I've seen some solutions out there that with integrating with third parties and stuff. But one thing that comes to mind around that piece of it is the Zen Server vSwitch, the distributed vSwitch. So I know that has some stuff in there that you can do. Do you guys think on the horizon that there might be some more integration on that, maybe along with the the interspec piece, the Bitdefender stuff, or actually locking down ports too as well with that, or you know doing some more stuff at a granular user level um, based on you know the user logged in to lock down network traffic and, and so forth with that. I think that's a great example of where Citrix has a lot of. Um, you know, complementary pieces that we can put together and do something unique that nobody else can. Um, so I would say, absolutely expect us to do, you know, do more with with gluing bits together, and uh, you know, whether it's helping with uh, the analytics part of, of Netscaler and um, you know, reporting stuff from uh, security alerts, let's say from from Ben Server. Or, or doing the reverse, you know, um, actions that, that use capabilities in server. Absolutely. Um, again, on these, on all these things, it's kind of a wait and see. Um, the, the amount we can say right now is is obviously very limited, but absolutely, we we know that customers are looking at micro segmentation and saying, well, you know, this might help me. 
um, I think we can do a lot of uh, a lot beyond just network micro segmentation because of all the different pieces that we have, you know, both in terms of the network uh, and in terms of um, you know knowing what applications a user is meant to access, all that kind of thing. Well, micro segmentation is a hard thing to do. I mean, we're, we're seeing it with uh, um, uh, with the VMware micro segmentation implementation NSX. Uh, they they uh, they're bringing out new new releases and and I've seen uh, uh, bad results from those new releases. So again, um, you know I think key here is uh, it just works. So even even if it's hard, like it's it's complex stuff, and and I realize that uh, micro segmentation by itself is uh, is a whole different ball game. But uh, better do it right the first time because otherwise people won't won't adopt it. Yeah. Yeah, once bitten, twice shy, as they say here in the UK, right? <laughs> See, you've got a nice way of, of seeing things in the UK. Uh, hey, um, you know, one of uh, one of the things that I had on my list asking you, um, and we already briefly touched it, is um, Nutanix now supports SendServer, uh, or it will be in the, in the next GA of our, or it will be GA in the next release of our software, which should be uh, hitting the market soon. Um, now I've seen it from 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 the Nutanix side, and what can you tell us about that, like that adventure? How how did that go? I mean, Christian mentioned Christian Riley mentioned um, that it it had mutual engineering effort from both sides to come through the product, so it's not just you know gluing it on. It 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 had actual engineering efforts in it. Can you can you tell us about that? Yeah, it definitely had actual engineering effort on it. Um, uh, another one of those ones where. Um, you know, we, we've seen people spend a lot of time uh, on both sides, you know, and we've had things like a Slack channel uh, between the, you know, Nutanix and, and Citrix. And, uh, you know, we've had hardware, obviously, Nutanix turn up and uh, we've had joint workshops where people have been flying around. So there's, there's been a huge investment in in doing it properly, you know, and, and as we've said multiple times now, these things just have to work. Uh, it's not the case that you can do a kind of half-baked implementation. Um, it would be very easy, I think, to do a half-baked implementation with, with, say, Nutanix, but at that point, why would anybody use it, right? So we we did invest a lot of time, we did invest a lot of effort, and uh, I think we pulled it off, you know, but it's it's interesting because it's very easy to think of a hypervisor as being, you know, it's always just a Well, yeah, it is, um, up to a point. Um, but then you get into, well, what specific features does does ZenServer have compared to, you know, other hypervisors? Oh, we need to work out how to surface those or, you know, uh, bring them to the fore, so to speak. Uh, how do we cope with with hot fixing and upgrades and so on? So there's, there was a lot to to figure out so the customer experience, you know, w was decent. Um, and I think we've ended up with with a good job. And certainly, uh, when we we did the joint tech preview, um, we we got good feedback from that. So uh, you know, I'm pretty happy with the result, and uh, hopefully, uh, when uh, when that GA release of new taxes, uh, the next GA release of new taxes software comes out um, pretty soon, then uh, hopefully customers will be as well. I'll uh, I'll give you a, a sneak peek because I installed the the next release already on a cluster to uh, to test this, and it's looking really good. 
So the, uh, the 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 installation process that we use to follow with uh, with any of the other hypervisors we uh, we support, it works for SenseOver just as well. And uh, um, I had no problem setting a, setting a SenseOver cluster up. It will um, um, configure everything for you, so you you be um, um, you know it it just works out of the box. And that's uh, I think um, uh, I'll echo your words that the, the amount of engineering from both sides. Has resulted in a, in a great product, so I'm um, you know happy to see what's uh, what's in in store for us with that combined uh, effort. So you know, as we take a look down the track, you know, three to five years, what do you see the next focus being? Um, is cloud going to be reality in your opinion for VDI slash desktop virtualization? Um, so what are your thoughts around that? You know, it's, it's always a difficult question, isn't it? Because I, I suspect that uh, uh, different people have very religious opinions on this. You know, I would say public cloud is is obviously a reality, right? There's, there's no question that lots of things are moving to public cloud. Um, now, on the flip side, if you've got a workload that is uh, not bursty, uh, a workload which is going to uh, be used much of the day, you know, maybe it's a desktop that, that somebody never logs out of. Um, then maybe the economics don't don't add up if you've got a, a lot of those. Okay, um, and that's that's not just um, VDI. That's just in general. Uh, if you've got a bursty workload, like maybe you're bringing on a lot of contractors and you suddenly need lots of desktops in the cloud, then absolutely no question. Right. What I do see, and I think this is really important for for Citrix, is cloud. Um, strategy, there is going to be a need to or, or a desire for somebody else, you know, in this case Citrix, to manage your control plane. You know, all of that infrastructure stuff that um, you, you might have to set up on, uh, you know, on premises. Well, why not let Citrix do that in the cloud? And it's evergreen, it's maintained for you, uh, you get all those benefits. And then you might run some of your workloads at least on-premises next to your data. You might run some of those in the cloud. That, that mix is fine. Um, so I do see cloud being a reality for the control plane for VDI. I do see it as reality for uh, some of VDI. Clearly, there are lots of customers today who uh, are very comfortable running all their workloads on-premises. And th that's OK, right? We, can, we will support that as Citrix and, and give them the best of both worlds, if you like. Um, would it all move to the, to the cloud in three to five years? I honestly don't know. I'm not sure anybody can tell you. Um, there will be those people who tell you that uh, you know, everybody should throw away their data center now and it's all going to become serverless. Um, I'm, I think that's, that's true again of some workloads, but there's plenty that won't. Um, there'll be those people who tell you that uh, public cloud is not going to be used for anything. Um, clearly, that, that's, that I hope has been disproven by now. Uh, but look, there's tons of data sitting in people's data centers right now. Um, some of them aren't comfortable with putting up in the cloud. Some are. Um, you know, we're seeing customers who previously were very cagey, very um, you know, dismissive of putting their stuff in the cloud, suddenly becoming um, great advocates for it. So it, it's not necessarily the case that they won't move. But you've got people who are worried about data for um, you know, data protection reasons. Uh, and they might keep it locally. Um, you've got people who are worried about the costs, as I mentioned earlier. It will be a hybrid model for some time to come. Um, but I'm very much of the opinion that the, the 
control plane, if you like, um, is going to be evergreen in the cloud. I think that's that's the way it will move. Um, whether we get there in three years, whether we get there in five years, I, I don't know. But we're certainly seeing um, you know, a lot of interest in, in that way of moving. I think you hit on some, some very good points there. Um, actually, it, it's a really good POV you have on this because you know, that data piece, whether it's the user data, application backend data, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges right there, especially when I talk to customers about, about moving to cloud. So depending on, you know, where that data sits um, is, is a big thing right there. And, you know, using it for things like bursting or, or DR or certain use cases is a great way to look at it. Um, so I completely agree with, with, with your take on, on this, and it, it's a very good POV on it. You know, there's a funny one, which is, what about small and medium-sized business, right? Because can they afford an IT guy to to help them deploy well anything? I mean, it's not just VDI; it's it's anything, right? Um, and if if they can't, if it's cheaper for them to buy workloads, you know, buy control plane, buy workloads in the cloud, then then they will, right? No question. Um, but at some point that cost equation may flip again, and, and that's where you get into that hybrid uh, scenario that we just talked about. All right, so um, uh, David, more on a, on a personal note, away from your uh, from your data job and, and, and virtualization, what market or technology are you watching right now? What would really excite you? Oh, that's a good question. I, I think two two small kids is my main, uh, main thing. <laughs> that's, that's what it keeps me excited or or awake at night or whatever it is. Um, but you know, on in terms of uh, technology, I think the there's two interesting kind of trends, right? One is uh, a question on what is happening in the world of private cloud. Okay, because we we talked about public cloud. Um, I think private cloud is. I think it's it's going to grow. Okay. And therefore, what technologies do you use for, for private cloud? How do you orchestrate that? Um, you know, got an interest in OpenStack and so on. So um, there's, a, there's a side of me that wants to know how do enterprises cope with the idea of not putting everything in public cloud, but needing cloud-like stuff. And the other side of me says, well, okay, we know that we're going to get into serverless computing for some workloads. We know that, um, you know, public cloud is the way. Um, what about kind of machine learning and, and AI, that, that's all going to be in the cloud, right? Let's face it. Um, what, what technologies are there that are going to help us do that? How are enterprises going to cope um, with that move? And uh, to me, I'll be honest, I think a lot of those questions are, are unanswered right now, right? There's, there's the, the technology exists um, in many of these areas, but how people are going to cope with using it, how people are going to integrate that into their, their business processes, that, you know, given they're used to on-premises uh, technology is is very much up for grabs. Yeah, you might see uh, like the the um, getting technologies like that into your business might be at a point where the technology itself is already outdated. Like a lot of businesses are are uh, just uh, behind the cycle of innovation, and when when they actually hit that moment of innovation, the the moment has gone, and and they need to uh, look at other technologies as well. But that's kind of where where it makes it interesting, right? No, you're, you're absolutely right. And in some ways, I think that's where public cloud may help, right? Because if you're willing to give uh, a technology provider the the trust to say, we will run some of this for you, 
then you're no longer on the uh, the, the obsolescence end of the spectrum, yeah. right? You're into not quite bleeding edge, but you know you, you're doing pretty well, right? So if you're willing to have uh, I don't know Office 365, um, your Office version never goes out of date, right? You get the latest features and you get the latest magic stuff, um, and it all just comes to you. You don't have to do anything about it. Versus um, you know I'm still running Office 97 or whatever it is because I haven't got off it. <laughs> it's it, evergreen is is here to stay once you go to cloud. So I think that is something that will help combat um, the, the effect you just described. I think that's a that's a great point to uh, to um, end end this uh, end this uh, podcast with. Just a one last question, and I I know I'm 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 asking you this a lot, and I I tend to make fun of it. How many languages do you actually speak? Oh, that's 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 a hard question. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I I speak um, Dutch somewhat. You know, I I can hold my own in Dutch. Um, even with you, Case. Um, <laughs> I've heard you speaking uh, Dutch. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up going to Spanish school um, and living in Spain for, for 17 years. So uh, 17, 14 years. Um, so uh, Spanish is Spanish is pretty good. And then uh, occasionally I can manage manage French if I'm feeling, you know, really, really committed to the cause. Um, other than that, lots of bits and pieces. So uh, uh, I, I love to learn bits and pieces of languages and, uh, you know, when when we were all in Finland at a, at a user group, I managed to manage a couple of sentences in Finnish and, uh, you know, that ticked the box. Everybody was very happy. Um, so uh, I didn't get rumbled at that point when anything, nobody asked me. <laughs> that, that was fun. Very nice. So um, thank you so much, David, for taking the time out and, and coming on and, and talking to us about Zen Server and some of the new enhancements and um, your thoughts on, you know, the future and, and the cloud and so forth. So um, with that, we are going to uh, close it down. Um, before I close down, I'd like to thank our frontline chatter sponsors, FS Logics and Liquidware Labs. Um, before we close down, David or Case, anything else? No, just say thank you very much. It's been good fun. Samir, thank you, David, for your time. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you, everyone, and uh, look forward to this um, going live and everyone um, being able to listen to it. So for myself and Case Baggerman and the rest of the Frontline Chatter team, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.